You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Luke 5, 27 to 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to their disciples, to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Luke 14, 1 to 24. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, And you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. 
at the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Thank you. I want you to say this with me. Everyone needs to eat. We've been talking a lot lately about praying together and eating together. And uh, as you know, the last number of weeks we've been focusing a lot on pray together. And uh, last week we were talking about when we pray together, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit makes us more like who? Like Jesus. And, and there's this burden that Jesus carries for people, and there's this, we, we talked about how there's this kind of this cycle that happens, that as, as you pray and you get filled with the Spirit and you become more like Jesus and you begin to carry His burden in your heart, then you pray more and then you get filled with the Spirit and you become more, you know, and there's this cycle and there's this increase that happens in that way. And, um, and what I want to look at today is how did Jesus model to us living out that burden he had for people? What did, it, what did it look like? And it was pretty simple, right? Like, we know of Jesus, he prayed a lot. We've been talking about that, right? But he didn't just pray a lot, he ate a lot. We, we have, amen, over here on the left. We, we have here, like, Jesus... He, he, we see these things again and again and again, especially if you go in the Gospel of Luke. He's praying lots. He's meeting and eating with people a lot. He did both. And there's this idea that I want us to catch today is that actually when we practice both together, eat together, and pray together, something revolutionary can happen. Sort of like heaven and earth come together. See, because Jesus shaped, if you will, Christian spirituality is as earthly as it is heavenly. Are you with me? Say it again. Christian spirituality is as earthly as it is heavenly. Christian spirituality is not just about escape from the earth to heaven. It's actually about heaven and earth uniting. It's about creation restored. The, the, the ultimate promise is resurrected bodies. 
This might be blowing your mind. You know, you might be like, what? We were, we were looking into a scripture at the men's breakfast this week, and Bruce Jones said this thing that I like, I just got to write that down. It sounds so simple, but yet it hit me as so profound. And he said, I need a body to be a Christian. And I was like, man, I don't know if that hits you like it hit me, but I'm like, that's interesting. And I'm going to say this. I think sometimes what makes Christianity controversial is that it isn't just a private spirituality. It actually speaks to what we do with our bodies, with our lives in the created world. What we do in the world actually really matters. It's a manifestation of our following Jesus. See, the doctrine of creation actually places tremendous value on everything that's been made. The doctrine of the incarnation, which means that God became human, places tremendous value on every single human being. This is really different, really, really different than the, the common thought of the day in which Jesus lived. The Greco-Roman world was, was saturated with this idea called Gnosticism, and I'm not going to go deeply into it. I've talked about it before. I talked about it a lot back in August. But it's this idea that they had that the created world was low level. It was dirty. It was gross. Any real deity would not touch this realm. Real spirituality was escape from this realm. And the idea that God would become human was radically in opposition to that idea. The idea that God actually made the earth and that he's actually going to restore it, not just burn it up and do away with it, was radically different than this idea of Gnosticism that said it was all about escaping, right? Very different. I mean, think about this. You notice when sick people come to Jesus, it was in the text that Galena read to us, when sick people came to Jesus, he didn't say, here, let me teach you how to pray just to transcend your suffering. He healed them. He healed their physical bodies. His resurrection is a physical resurrection. And what I want us to catch this morning as I'm saying all this stuff, setting up, is that is that we are actually to embrace our humanity. That is something very spiritual. That's something very Christian. That's something very Jesus-like. To embrace the reality that we are human. And what do eating together and praying together have in common? Okay, together, we got that. I want to say this, human need. Eating together and praying together share in common our need. Let's say it again together. Everyone's got to eat. There it is. You know, we can pray lots together, but sometimes we just need a couple moving, ban moving vans and seven men. There was something rich that I witnessed happen on Wednesday that Keenan just told us about. And I thought to myself, when we finished praying with this person that Cliff connected us to, and, and, and she was in tears while we prayed, I thought, imagine if Cliff had said, hey, I got a group of seven guys who want to come over and just pray in your new house. I promise you, it wouldn't have had the impact that it had when we got those vans out, when we loaded them up, when we moved 
and helped in a really practical way, in a very human need. Then, when there was the opportunity to pray and to bless, there was this response. I promise you would not have been there if we had just shown up after her and her family had moved everything themselves and said, hey, can we pray in your new house? It just wouldn't have, you get it, right? And so, like I said, we were talking about being filled with the Spirit, making us more like Jesus, and we're going to look today at how Jesus modeled his burden for the people in the world around him. And it's specifically what I want us to see is he ate with them. He ate with them. Let's say it again. Everyone needs to eat. So who did Jesus eat with? We, we have in the first story that Galena read to us, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. In the second story, he's eating with a prominent Pharisee. He even, as we know later in the story, knowingly eats with Judas, his betrayer. Jesus didn't discriminate who he would or would not eat with. He wasn't too spiritual for anyone. He wasn't coming off his prayer sessions and being like, yes, sorry, I can't hang out with you. How many remember, uh, I think his name was Jeff Foxworthy, a comedian years ago, and he had, you might be a redneck if, all those jokes. Anybody remember those? We've got a few hands. Okay. So this one's, you might be a Pharisee if your prayer life and your spirituality makes you self-righteous, holier than thou. Or sometimes our, sometimes our prayer life, our spirituality, just makes us weird. We're just weird. And there's a lot of weird in the Bible, okay? I acknowledge that. There's some weird stuff that happens in the Bible. But, but the Holy Spirit, if we're actually communing with the Holy Spirit, He humbles us. He makes us approachable. He increases love in us. He makes us warm. He makes us welcoming. I want you to notice something between the two stories that we read. On the first story, Jesus is eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. And where are the Pharisees? Outside the house. Here, their Messiah, the promised one they're longing for, has come in his hour of visitation. And he is partying and he is celebrating and he is connecting with these people. And they're missing it. They're outside the house. But in the second story, we have him eating at a Pharisee's house. And we have other stories in Luke of him eating at a Pharisee's house. And what do the sinners and the sick people do when he's eating at the Pharisee's house? They barge on in. Luke 7, the woman comes in and cries all over his feet and washes his feet with her hair. And in this story, we have this sick man in front of him right there in the house. And he heals him. I want us to catch this, that, that the, the Pharisees were in this place in the first story where they're like, yeah, I don't know, that might kind of taint my reputation if I go in there. They're worried about the opinions of people. The sick and the needy go, forget their opinions, Jesus is in there. I'm going where Jesus is. They missed their hour of visitation with the God of the universe because of their pride and their sense of superiority. 
And I just pray, Father, may it not be so with us. May we not miss what you want to do in our hour, in our day, in our city because of pride and self-righteousness and any sense of superiority. May he root it out of our hearts. And I want us to catch this. There is this commonality, if you will, at the table that Jesus sets. He gives this warning in the middle of uh, the part in Luke 14 that we read after he gives the instructions of, you know, if you get invited to a wedding banquet, don't, don't put yourself way too high up there, right? And there's this idea that he says that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There's this, there's this moving towards the center that you can see there, Right? The exalted, the self-righteous, he brings low. The low, he brings up. And there's this commonality that he wants to see at his table. See, because eating at Jesus' table with him, for some, they'll need to humble themselves. For others, to eat at Jesus' table, there's a sense in which they feel elevated and exalted that they could even come and sit with the king. And I'll say again, remember, spiritual pride kept the Pharisees outside the house. Imagine you're invited to eat at a palace. How might you feel? Or maybe for some of you, it's not a palace. Maybe if you're younger, it's like if Justin Bieber invited you over for dinner. I don't know. You know, it's like whatever it might be. But imagine somebody of status and esteem says, come to my house for dinner. Well, we need to realize that this is the situation for all of us being invited to meet with Jesus. He's royalty, we are beggars. And yet he says, come to my table. Come to my table. And the practical application right here, guys, And all throughout this message, based on that reality, is pay it forward. Who who might we be able to invite to our table? I love that we do this, guess who's coming to dinner last night. There's this sense, we're talking about it in the prayer room, where where it's like you're, you're having strangers over. You might find out they're not strangers when they get to your door, but you really don't know who's coming over. And there's this this, this sense in in which we're practicing this very thing. And I'd say to you, who knows what the impact may be on someone's life through an invitation to your table? Who knows? There's this profoundly human experience of eating together that connects us, that bonds us, that creates this commonality. You know that there are studies by psychologists, research research shows that there are higher levels of social anxiety in kids with food allergies because of the meals and the sharing of experience that they miss out on because of their allergies. They deal with higher levels of social anxiety. Now, if you've got food allergies, I'm not saying, like, that's guaranteed your destiny and your future, Okay. But in general, as they studied populations of children, they discovered this connection. I just ask again, do we realize the impact of eating together?
So, so who does Jesus invite? How, how far does his invitation reach and extend? Does our invitation stretch as far as his? Or are there people that Jesus would eat with that we won't? Consider that for a minute. Are there people that Jesus would gladly eat with that you would not? That is supposed to sting. It's supposed to make you go, I wonder, what's that about? I want us to see there's this radical lesson in verse 12 and verse 13 of what was read to us from Luke 14, okay? It's the part where he says this. When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind... Oh, and verse 14, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus is speaking into a cultural context here, and this is radical, what he is saying. Because you see, in the Greco-Roman world, there was this patronage system is what they called it, okay? Or that's what we called it anyways. I don't know if that's what they called it then, but that's what we call it looking back on it. There's patronage system. It's how the society and the culture worked. And you had the patroni, which are the rich, and you had the clients, which are the poor and the common people. And the rich would have a bunch of clients, a bunch of rich and common people, who they essentially said, hey, we'll take care of you. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you in. We'll look after you. You do me a favor, I'll do you a favor. And these rich people bolstered up their status by having all these people essentially like their minions who would work for them, right? And for, for the clients, for the poor, and for the common, it was a real thing. Man, if I could get that person to my house for dinner, you know where that's going to put me on the social ladder? Do you know where I'm going to be in this society, in this community, if I can get him or her to my house for dinner? Jesus says, don't do that. My kingdom's different. My kingdom's different. I want to, I'm going to throw this in because we actually talked about the scripture at our guest who's coming to dinner last night. And I need to say that Jesus saying, don't, you know, invite your friends and relatives. This is not a get out of Christmas dinner with your relatives free card. Okay? <laughs> just, just, just let you know. Okay? What he is saying is don't focus your energy and your attention and your investment on what you can get from others. Focus it on what you can give. Don't focus your energy, your investment in how you can get ahead. Focus it in how you can bring others along with you. Are you with me? That's the point he's trying to make. And there's this really interesting thing, if you look a little closer, about this next level hospitality that he calls us to. Notice when he talks about the friends and the relatives and the rich people, he says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner. But when he talks about the poor and the lame, he says, when you throw a banquet. There's this contrast. So he's just saying, you know, you got your relatives coming over, you're whoever, yeah, you're having lunch, you're having dinner. But when you're having the poor, when you're having the broken, the lame, the blind, throw a banquet. 
There's another level that we're called to when we, when we invite the stranger in, when we invite the outcast in. We take our hospitality to another level if we're actually being shaped by the Holy Spirit and our lives are looking more like Jesus. And I'm not talking just in metaphor, guys. Like, I'm serious. How, how far do we want to take this? Right? In a many sense, guys, we talk about it all the time, that our lives are supposed to be a message. Your life is supposed to be a metaphor of the gospel to the world watching. And this next level of hospitality is the work of the Spirit. He makes us warm. He makes us welcoming. He makes us extremely hospitable, especially to strangers. We say it again together. Everyone needs to eat. Now, let's notice on when we look into the parable that Jesus tells, right? The guy says, after all that, the guy says to him, you know, blessed is anyone who's going to eat at the banquet in the kingdom of God. And it says, Jesus replied to the man with this story. And he tells the story, and there's people invited. And, and who doesn't get to the banquet? People with invitations. And what were their responses? Excuses. Excuses, I'm busy. That excuses. It's easy to find excuses, guys. It's easy to find excuses. May we be a people, we say no to excuses and yes to Jesus. And notice who does get to the banquet. When, he, when it talks about the sick and the lame out in the streets and the poor, it says, bring them in. So these were invited. They were invited, but they had excuses, so they didn't come. So then the master says, just go in, like pick them up and just carry them in. Just bring them in to the party. Bring them into the house. And there is this sense in which if you find yourself at the banqueting table of the Father, I'm telling you, he brought you in. No one comes to the Father unless drawn. There, there's a work of the Spirit that's happened if you find yourself sitting at the table with Jesus. And then after they bring them in, he's, the, the, the servant's kind of like, hey, Master, there's still more room. He's like, then go out everywhere you can into the roads, into the country lanes, into the highways and the byways, and compel them to come in. I'm just going to read that part, and I just want us to listen for the voice of the Spirit. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. 
Because the kind of banquet that he calls us and invites us to participate in and to host and to compel people to join us in is a banquet that rehearses the age to come. When you had people around your tables last night, those of you who did, whether you were a host or whether you were a guest, together we were rehearsing the banquet in the age to come. When we roll tables in here after this message, this afternoon, and we eat together, we are rehearsing something of the age to come. There's something about when we, we've been talking about when we pray together, you know, we ascend into the heavens. We've been having these grand visions that we've been talking about these last few weeks. Well, there's something that happens when we sit around a table together that takes us into that space. And it's interesting how both of these things, on one hand, it's ascension, and on the other hand, they're both humbling. There's a humility involved in prayer. There's a humility in coming to the table. There's ascension and there's humbling happening in both. Everywhere Jesus went, eating meals, healing the sick, speaking profound words and teaching, he would say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And he invites us to, by his spirit, be transformed into people who can say to the world around us, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And in a sense, you know, he, he, he invites us to his table, but the way I really believe that we live that out in the here and now is by inviting others to our table. Maybe you're in a place where, where it's all new to you. The invitation's simple. Just, just come to the table. But if you've been following Jesus for some time, I would say to you, the invitation is open up your table. Open up your table. And can we hear him calling and inviting us today? And will we make excuses or will we say yes? And I'm not here to tell you what that will look like who it will be, when it will be, how often it will be, what you got to serve, or any of that. That's between you and him. But if you do sense the Spirit inviting you to be involved at the table, whether as a host or as a guest, I encourage you, say yes. Say yes. And I want us to do something before we close today. I want us to just take a brief moment in just quiet, and we're going to close our eyes, and what we're asking the Lord for is names or faces. Really simple, okay? But the simple question is, Lord, is there, is there anybody that you would have me have a meal with? All right? That's it. Father, right now, we ask you, names and faces, help us out.
All right. If you got something, jot it down. Log it in the memory bank. Tell somebody if your memory bank ain't that good. Uh, Can we say the key phrase together again? Everyone needs to eat. I want to pray for us, and then we're going we're gonna to have lunch here together, okay? So can we stand up? Father, we thank you for your invitation that you've given us to your table. We thank you that by the cross of Christ, all who would say yes can come. That while we were still sinners, you died for us. While many were still sinners, you ate with them. You, the holiest of all, the majestic one, the creator of the universe, were not too spiritual too superior, too self-righteous to eat with people. And Father, we ask that today, in this moment, by your Spirit, you would tear down every bit of self-exaltation that remains in our hearts. That you would uproot it from our hearts, that you would cleanse our hearts, that you would level that thing to the ground. Father, you would cause us to be a people that when we look to our left and to our right and around our city, we see, brothers and sisters, we see people just like us. We see people you love, people that you paid a price for, people who bear your image and your glory and who have brokenness and need just like us. Lord, I ask that you would level it. Help us to see ourselves and those around us the same way you do. Help us be a humble, gentle, warm, welcoming, hospitable people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.